Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. So excited that we're, we're starting this new series called All In. When, it, when we talk about being all in, it's very easy to, um, to kind of look at it as go, well, it's just another way to commit. To be honest with you, if we look at Christianity, it's the only way to commit. It's not a way to commit to Christ. It's the only way to commit to Christ. When we look at what Christ did for each of us, we realize that Christ was all in. Yes? And one of the exciting things that we're going to do here at the end of this service is we're going to be receiving partners, the newest partners of Freedom Life Church. We're going to be receiving people that have said, I am all in. I want to maximize my life. And that's one of the things that I believe God wants from all of us. So as we look this morning... At the word time, I want you to think about that for a moment. Time. Time is one of the most precious gifts God has given us. Would you agree? You can make more money, but you can't make more time. You can make friends, but you cannot make time. Time is finite. And how we spend it and or invest it matters. Would you agree? Some of our biggest regrets grow out of missed opportunities and seasons of life that were wasted. The average, they say that the average person, the average person will live about 28,000 days in their life. 28,000 days. It sounds like a lot until you realize 10 years has passed. And that's out the window, right? And you're thinking, wow, where did that go? I think to myself for a moment, I'm, uh, my son's about to turn uh, 12. And I was just sitting with a brother just a few days ago. And we were sitting down and talking about, uh, we were just talking about family and kids. And I said, yeah, my son's about to turn 12. And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, did I just say that? Because I remember holding him. In my hands, in my arms, what felt like just a couple of years ago. And now he's 12, about to enter youth, which is a whole set of problems in and of itself. That's why we have wonderful staff. And that's why Pastor Christian's been hired to fix all of our problems. I mean, no. No, that's not true. That's not true. Don't tell him I said that. 28,000 days the average person has in their life. And we have 28,000 days not to spend, my friend. Not to spend, but to steward. To steward. That means invest well. That means to think about how you take it and how you use it. How will you spend the days that God has given you? How will you spend the days that he entrusted in your care? Well... First of all, we need to understand that there's been an instruction book given to us to do that. And uh, it may look like this, it may not. But at the end of the day, God's word is what helps us steward 
life the proper way. I want to look at two passages of scripture before we go to our main text here this morning. As I talk about being all in, I want to talk about how to maximize your life. How to maximize your life. And when we talk about all in, we look at Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verses 15 to 18. And let's look at this passage. This is a very important passage to what we're talking about. This entire series. These next five weeks are going to be a unique five weeks in your life. If you stick with us for the next five weeks, if you're trying to find out God's will for your life, I'm asking you to consider doing everything possible to be with us these next five weeks and let each one build on the next. Because when we build a series, it's not just a way to have one thought, cohesive thought. While that is an important element, right? We want to build on each week. So this particular passage is a building passage. And here's where we're jumping off of. You ready? Let's look at Psalm 103 beginning in verse 15 all the way to 18. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is what? Gone. It, and, it, it's, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. Do you see the legacy there? How you are all in, how you live your life daily will affect your children's children. You think, well, this is just me, I'll recover. Yes, you very well may recover. But what your kids see in your life, they may not recover as quickly. They may have a different level of resilience. They may have a different level of commitment. Because what you do in moderation, your kids will do in excess. Friends, I'm not, this, is not a, this is not a game. Christianity is not a game. What you're doing every day affects a life. And so when I was really sitting through this series and I, and I told the leadership team, I said, listen, this is the series God has really put on my heart to do here in right in smack dab in the middle of the summer. Some people might be like, you know what? Wait till the fall. You know, I'm like, no, we don't have the fall yet. We have right now. And if we can't be all in right here, right now, the moment that we definitely have, we have right now. That's all we know for sure. I need to understand two things. Number one, I need to fear him and his righteousness with the children's children. To those who keep his covenant. And what? Remember to obey his precepts. Fear and remember. That doesn't sound very appealing, does it? What did you learn in church today? Uh, To fear and remember. I think that means remember my fear. I'm not sure what he said. But it was highlighted on the screen, fear, remember. So I remember my fears and I'm scared. (laughs) To fear God is to hate evil. To fear God is to love him immensely that you will pull away from the things. Look at me, young people, look at me. To fear God is to hate evil and to turn away from the things that you know do not allow you to be all in. What is God trying to tell us in this passage? Here's what he's trying to tell us. Time 
comes and goes quickly, but God and his love is always remaining. Look at the passage again. You know what he's saying? Everything that you're going through right now, look at me. Everything you're going through is fleeting. It'll come, it'll go. Great, fine, fantastic. Guess what? Your time will come and go, but God's word will never pass Then the second passage is found in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17. I encourage you to open your Bible and look at it for yourself. Highlight it, star it, whatever you need to do. But this passage is, is very important. Be very careful. And this is the warning. Are you ready? This is a warning. Be very careful then how you live. We're bouncing off the first passage, right? If every moment that you live is very important... And it's fleeting. What do we do about it? Well, here's what we do about it. We are very careful how we live. Christians should be among the most careful people on how we live. That doesn't mean we don't take risks. Look at me. That doesn't mean we don't take risks. We should be the ones taking the biggest risk. Because we have the biggest God and the biggest commitment. Because we're all in. I got two amens. I'm working on four. We should be the ones that are hashtag all in. Right? All in. Everyone in the world has these, oh, I'm timid. I'm this, you know, I'm not sure if I should do this. Listen, we should be the ones saying, you know what, God, what do you want me to do here? How do you want me to pursue this? How do you want me to pursue this job opportunity? God, I'm going to claim that if it's mine, you're going to open the door. I don't know that I'm equipped. I don't know that I'm right. I'm the right person for the job, but you do. And I'm glad that he doesn't qualify the equipped, the people who are born with all these gifts, right? He equips those who are called by him. And he says, no, you're not equipped. That's why you need me. And that's where God is in the equation. You with me? So what we have to realize is that when we say we're all in, follow me now. That means that nothing else matters quite as much as this. Nothing else matters quite as much as God. I am all in. Somebody say, I'm all in. Making the most of every moment is a sacrifice. Would you agree? Some of you, like Pastor Tony, I know sacrifice. When I woke up this morning, I said, should I go to church? And I made a sacrifice. I drank three pots of coffee and here I am. That is no reference to my wife at all. I'm just saying. Because we talked about, right? You know, a lot of coffee and even more of Jesus. I get it. I get it. Right? But we live in a culture that's always fighting for your time. Amen? Culture's always fighting for your time. Everybody wants your time. Do you have a minute? Uh, No. But I'll give it to you. Because you hijacked me just now and cornered me. I'll go ahead and give it to you. Sacrifice itself is willingness to give up something valuable for something or someone we deem more valuable. Did you get that? Sacrifice, let's go back to the first one. Sacrifice in its definition is willingness to give up something valuable, watch this, for something or someone who we deem more valuable. That's sacrifice. No matter how that looks, that's what it looks like. 
So, in essence, the next slide is simply this. Sacrifice is the glue that cements meaningful relationship. When you say, I am all in with Jesus, that means I am sacrificing whatever it takes to cement my relationship with Jesus. Now, let me tell you this. Some people said, you know, I've never really seen how Christianity could really change the world. Most of the time, people that think that way, at some point in time, they stop putting it all on the table. Because God honors all in. There's not a single person on this earth that honors all in like God. Some of you know what it's like to go all in. I've never been, uh, I've never been a poker player or gambler in that respect. I've never really, I don't know that stuff. But I do know that when you push all your chips to the middle of the table, there's no turning back. And if you do try to turn back, I'm sure someone would push back. I didn't mean it. That was just, I was just kidding. That right there is asking for a fight, right? How much more so if we say we're all in and then we say, God, you know, time out. I just wanted to trim back a little bit, just a little bit of that. I didn't mean that. Now that it's all, you know, I committed, I pull back a little bit. God is like, no, you're either all in or you're not. See, so Christianity is not about committing certain things. It's about committing all things. So sacrifice is the glue that cements relationship. By definition, a decision must cost something in order to rise to the level of sacrifice. Your commitment has to cost you something in order for it to go from here to sacrifice. It has to cost you something. So giving up rotten tomatoes to make apple pie, hello, is not sacrifice. I want to make an apple pie. Well, here's some rotten tomato, uh, potato. What am I talking about? Apples. <laughs> what? What just happened? Pastor Tony, that's your problem. You made the pies wrong. The wrong ingredients. I don't know what just happened. Giving up rotten apples to make apple pie is not a sacrifice. Right? Giving up rotten tomatoes, since we're on that topic, for a salad doesn't mean you've really sacrificed anything. Giving meaningless excess, friends, is not sacrifice. Giving up meaningless excess is not sacrifice. Offering leftovers to God, to your Savior, to Christ the Lord is not sacrifice. Pastor Tony, please tell me something positive right now. I am. I'm giving you, maybe some of you, maybe more of you than I, than I know, maybe I'm giving you an ingredient for your life right now. You've been asking God for something, but you've never been all in for Him. You want Him to be all in for you, but you haven't been all in for Him. And that happens all the time. Everyone say all the time. It happens all the time. We want His all in, but we're not all in. And so we're like, we want all the benefits of being all in. But we're not all in. King David. How many know King David? King David was a warrior king. And there was something that happened in 1 Chronicles. This is our main text. Watch this. Read, read with me in 1 Chronicles. 
I'm going to ask the parents to help me with the movement in the room. I don't want to distract anything from what God is doing right now. So help me out, okay? First Chronicles chapter 21. First Chronicles chapter 21. It's located just after First Chronicles chapter 20. First Chronicles chapter 21 reads like this. We find David in this situation and a man by the name of Ornan, the Jebusite. Here's what it says. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. So David went up at the word of Gad, which he spoke in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons and were with him and hid themselves. And Ornan was threshing wheat. Watch this. As David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out from the threshing floor and prostrated himself before David with his face to the ground. Then David, this is what he says here. Then David said to Ornan, give me the site of this threshing floor. He says, show me where to be that I may build it on the altar of the Lord. So you follow with me? He's basically saying, go up and build an altar over here. David goes to do that. The guy that he comes to drops on his face and, and David's like, hold on, hold on. No, just tell me where I'm supposed to go. Tell me where I'm supposed to be. I understand you doing this, but tell me where I'm supposed to be. You doing your job, but help me do mine. I need to go where God said go. Are you following? Because it's very easy to go where we want to go, but where God wants us to go, that's going to take a little more commitment. So sometimes you have to tell people, help me get to where I need to be. So he asked them, tell me where this is that I may build an altar to the Lord. Watch this. For the full, uh, he says, give me, this, give me the sight of this threshing floor that I may build on it an altar to the Lord. For the full price you shall give it to me that the plague may be restrained from the people. Ornan said to David, take it for yourself. Let my Lord, the king, do with it as you, uh, as what is good in the sight. Follow me along. I know it's a little long, but I need to build the whole scenario here. See, I will give you the oxen for burnt offerings and the threshing sledges for wood and the wheat for the grain. So he says, I'm going to give you all the stuff you need, right? I will give it all. But King David said to Ornan, no. Watch this. This is where it gets awesome. Are you ready for this? He said, I'm going to give you everything you need to do this offering. Right? Kind of like when your kids come up to you and they're like, it's offering, it's BGMC or something. You're like, okay, hold on. Let me pull my wallet out. Let me pull my purse out. And you give them some money and they come up here and they drop it. Right? Was that sacrifice to them? Was it sacrifice for them? No, it didn't come from them. So they don't understand sacrifice. It was given by you to them in their hands and they dropped it off. No sacrifice on their part, sacrifice on your part. So this man comes, uh, as David comes to him, he says, listen, I'm going to give you everything you need. I'm going to give you the wood you need for the altar. I'm going to give you the offering. I'm going to give you everything. And you know what David says? Instead of saying, thanks, I really want to build this altar. You know what he says? This is the look. This is how we're setting the whole term for all in. This is what we're talking about when we talk about all in. This is what he says. No. No, but I will surely buy it for the full price. I will buy what I need. For I will not take what is yours for the Lord. Or offer a burnt offering which costs 
me nothing. Oh my goodness. What if all of the, what if the whole church lived this way? What if everyone in this room, everyone at the sound of my voice that proclaims that they love Jesus, did it like this? Oh, I'm not, I don't like that song, so I'm not going to sing. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I, I really got much from God this week, so I'm not going to really put in the offering. I don't feel like, uh, like this is a, a place that I want to... I want to invest in my time and I don't want to serve. I I just don't feel this and I don't feel we're living in a culture that is so driven by feeling that we do nothing of substance because we feel this and I want to feel that. Listen, obedience to God supersedes your feelings. That's hard preaching, I know. David got it right. I don't feel like I should. I don't feel like it. Stop feeling and start obeying. Stop feeling like I have to feel this tingle. I don't feel goosebumps, so I guess I'm not supposed to serve. I don't feel goosebumps, so I guess I'm not supposed to help someone. I don't feel that. Stop feeling for a single moment or at least base your decisions on that feeling. Stop doing that. Because your feelings will change, but the word of God will never change. Okay, I thought that was, that was important. Y'all don't know, but I got secret guards around in case anyone chases this pulpit right now. Comes at me with a Bible. No! Let me tell you something. This is hard truth. I know it. This is hard to preach. But this is, listen, I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to tell you that if you're going to be all in, stop relying on your feelings. I don't feel this and I don't feel that. Therefore, I don't obey. Since when is God determined by the, the temperature of the room? I feel goosebumps. That might be God. I think it's God. No, the AC's up too high. Like seriously, sometimes that's the case. Santo, I feel like, I feel like I should, I feel... I'm not telling you don't feel. And I'm not telling you that goosebumps may be your body responding to the presence of God. I don't doubt that. I've had that feeling too. Multiple times, more than I care to share. But let's not, let's not box God into this idea that somehow I feel something. David said what? I'm not going to offer something that costs me nothing. I'm not going to offer God that costs me. Listen, you can offer that. That's great. Fantastic. Wonderful. No, I reject it. I don't want it. Because then, if I accept that, I will be the one rejected. So I'd rather reject this fake offering than be rejected by my God. Oh, our church is full of people giving fake offering. They do it because they're like, "Ah, I don't feel like it, but yeah, whatever. Stop. Stop feeling and start obeying. And realize that your obedience... It's part of what God is calling us to do. And you know what? It's very important that we get what David got here. Surely I will buy it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it with my life, my time, my effort. I'm not going to let you just give it to me because I'm not 
giving anything. So what do we do with this? When it comes to sacrifice, if it doesn't cost, it doesn't count. When it comes to sacrifice, if it doesn't cost, it doesn't count. That's sacrifice. I'm not saying that what you give, God doesn't care about. I'm saying that you can't label this sacrifice if it doesn't cost you something. If it doesn't cost you, don't name, don't call it sacrifice. Don't say I'm sacrificing this to do this. I'm sacrificing. Don't call it a sacrifice. If it doesn't cost you anything, don't call it sacrifice. Just call it your offering. This is what I'm giving you. That doesn't rate it. But if you, it costs you something, that's sacrifice. Sacrifice validates the true reality of our commitment. Sacrifice demonstrates the true reality of our faith. Sacrifice demonstrates the depth of our love and our gratitude. Sacrifice exposes selfishness and complacency. It does. Self, selflessness is so, so big in our world today. I want to look out for me. But sacrifice brings true freedom and blessing. You know what I find? True freedom in when I can help somebody with no strings attached. I love that feeling. I want to help somebody. I'm not doing this because you did anything for me. I just want to do it because he's done something for me already. And I just want to, I just want to bless you. I want to be a part of that. So what do we do? How do we maximize our life? Real simple. We diet. We go on a diet. Ready? D, dedicate your life to kingdom purposes. We go on a diet. D, dedicate your life to kingdom purposes. This is surrender. This is sacrifice. This is dedication to God. Dedication to the kingdom. We talked about that last week. For those of you that uh, were not here last week, we talked about what it means to be a kingdom person and what it means to, to sacrifice for the kingdom. So what do we do? We go on a diet. We D, dedicate. I, invite. Invite. Invite God to search our motives. Yes? God, search me. David said, search me and know me. Don't just search me. Search me and know me. Scan me. Scan me and try to find out what is going on in this mess. All right? All the time, man. All the time. You ever, you ever went through like a security line or something and you forgot your belt? Sometimes you may have a thicker belt or something like that. And it goes crazy. Like, what do you got going on? Oh, it's my belt. I forgot. And you, you know, that, that's, that's a scan. That's a scan because there's something going on there. I want God to go, what is going on in this, in this body? What is going on in this life? And when he finds it, alert me so I can get it right. Because I want to be used and I want to maximize my life. So we got to invite. You will never invite God into your life. Him answer and you remain the same. You can't invite God into your life, him answer, and you remain the same. It just doesn't happen. Invite God to inspect your heart. Invite God to step up and say, you know what? Whatever my motives are, look at me. Whatever my motives are, clear them. Help me to see clearly what it is that you want me to do. Since our heart can be deceitful, God, help me not to depend on my heart. How many ever felt like your heart betrayed you? You know what I'm talking about? I felt this is so strong. I feel like this is right. I feel like this is... 
uh, <laughs> and you're looking back going, man, I so felt that. And it was way off. Why? Because our heart is deceitfully wicked. It's tied to our, our, you know, our physical feelings. And again, back to that whole goosebump thing. You feel goosebumps about the wrong thing. E, diet. D-I-E. E, evaluate your values. Why do you do what you do? What are you working on to make this earth better? Listen, I don't know about you, but when Tony Cruz leaves this earth, I don't care if people didn't know my name. But I want to leave this earth better because I was here. If you walk out of this room and you don't remember my name, está bien. It's totally okay with me. But if you walk out and you don't know who Jesus is, no está bien. Everything is wrong. Because at the end of the day, I value what he values. I evaluate myself because I just want what he wants. See, everything we do is for a reason. We want to feel better. We want to be free from pain. We want to live comfortably. We want recognition. We want respect. We want power. We want control. We do all these things for a reason. Evaluate what that looks like when it comes to Jesus. Most of the time we can trace our purposes back to self-promotion. Would, that, would you agree with that? I just want to be recognized. So let me, let me say this to you. I found this amazing quote from a friend of mine. Just released a new book. And here's what he said. Don't allow... And I'm going to have it up on the screen. This rocked my world and I needed to share it with you. Don't allow the momentum created by your giftedness to outpace your integrity. Rocked my face off. Don't allow the momentum of your giftedness to outpace your integrity. If you don't evaluate your life, it will eliminate yours. Did you hear that? If you don't evaluate your life, it will eliminate yours. Don't let your giftedness substitute for your integrity or your character. What you do when no one looks is looking matters to God. Don't let your giftedness take over your anointing supersede your anointing, supersede your integrity. And I'll, I'll, I'll end with this thought. Diet, D-I-E-T, is time. And I, again, back to the time, everyone has 168 hours in a week to use. You either spend it or invest it. It cannot be banked, but it can be wasted every moment Counts. 40 hours of work, 56 hours of sleep, 35 hours of personal needs, eating, hygiene, etc. That leaves 37 hours of discretionary time to spend. A little over five hours a day. A tenth would be about four hours a week. So even if you say, well, I tithe my money, do you tithe your time? Because if you tithe your time, it would be about four hours a week. Would you say that you do four hours of ministry a week? But you say that you're overloaded. You're saying you're overcommitted. The church is asking too much, or this person's asking too much, or that person's asking too much. When it comes to the kingdom of God, all in 
means I'm going to do everything in my power to honor God with my life. Not just throw money at God and say, look, this is what I'm going to, this is my part of giving to God. You know, I can't do, so I'm just going to keep giving and somehow God will be distracted. That's not how that works. And God wants, God wants you. He wants your time. So how many times have you stopped and said, I could have managed that a little better. Anybody ever felt like that? (laughs) Some of you, some of you are like, I said that 30 minutes ago. Right? I could have managed that better. Here's the big idea. I'm going to pray in a moment. And we're going to receive new partners here in just a moment. But let me give you the big idea. Are you ready? Here's, here's the big idea. David prayed to make the best use of his time. Where will we invest our time that will really matter? And I'm going to read Ephesians 5 again. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Friends, listen. Not as unwise men, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Understand what the Lord's will is. So here's my thought. Francis Bacon, I'm going to say this quote, and we're going to pray in a moment. I don't think I have this on the screen, so listen closely. It's not what men eat, but what they digest that makes them strong. It's not what we gain, but what we save that makes us rich. Not what we read, but what we remember that makes us learn. Not what we preach, but what we practice that makes us Christians. All in. These next five weeks, let me challenge you with this. These next five weeks is all about finding who you are and what he's doing. And it is exciting. Amen. Let me pray right now for you. Can I do that? As your pastor, let me pray for you that God would give you the spirit of the all in. Amen. Father, thank you that we get to be all in. Father, thank you that, Lord, in some way, shape, or form, you would allow us this opportunity to honor you, that we would be all in. Lord, I thank you, I bless you, and I honor you with our lives. Lord, may we find that place in you. May we find that that Holy Spirit draw to your feet. Lord God, I'm asking you today, And as we receive these partners in a moment, God, that they would not just be a membership like a club, but partners in ministry, partners in understanding what we're called to do, and most of all, who we're called to become. I'm asking you, help us to be all in. Help us to slide every gift and every ability that we have to the middle of the table and say, that's me. I'm all in. In Jesus' name we pray.